Well, good evening. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And you guys, it's been a day. <laughs> okay, so I know some of you were thinking, uh, Dr. Patrick Moore, uh, former Greenpeace, now, um, uh, what would I call him? Sensible forest management expert. Um, he's an environmental consultant, but not the kind you think. Um, he was supposed to be on the show tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he's in Ireland. I'm in Montana. He got the times mixed up. So um, it's it's nine o'clock there uh, right now. So it's a little weird. So uh, nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So um, anyway, he is going to we're going to tape it up on Friday. We'll have it next Wednesday. So that interview will be here. But I've been scrambling on the phone and that's when you do, you know, that's what it reminds me of being a news guy again, when you have to get on there and go, I got to find a story. I got to find a story. And I found some great stuff for you. Bill Dunt London's going to be joining us um, on his way home in his car. We're going to talk about some of the things going on here. Um, and then I have, I guess, Kim Rice. She's running for the Senate up in the Portland area, Beaverton, Aloha. Um, and imagine this, having some problems with those little Antifa people um, and what's going on and some of the vandalism. So, um, you know, if we can't in Oregon, Montana, Idaho, Washington, in the United States of America, have an election and not have people uh, vandalizing signs and property, um, that's just such crap. And it's, it's like what I want to say to people that do that is grow up. I mean, come on. That is so that is so juvenile. You have the mind of a two year old. Um, to do something like that. So it's been going on in the Portland area. Ben Idle, he's been on our show before. He's having signs stolen. Um, and, but, but this case, um, she actually got him arrested. <laughs> but of course, with our court system, catch and release, you know, in and out. So our show tonight is sponsored by Buck Sanitary Service. If you're having a wedding, a party, a, an event, um, hire bucks. They're our sponsors. So if, if you like what we're doing, we want you to pay attention to our sponsors. Buck Sanitary Service has been with us the longest of all of our clients. So um, I guess we have something in common. They take stuff and I dish out crap. <laughs> so we're all, we're all in this together. Dr. Michael Bratlin with Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Um, he supports our show every night. And listen to this. This is why. This is Dr. Michael Bratlin from Chris Dental. Our response to COVID was absolutely wrong. We should never have locked down, never kept our children from going to school, never been required to wear those stupid, ineffective masks for years, never fired people for not getting vaccinated. Those that were in charge and imposed their dictatorship on the rest of us should at minimum lose their jobs. This November and every election to come, never forget what these people did to us and our children. He minces words, doesn't he? I can't quite get where he's coming from. There's <laughs> a whole series of ads coming out, and he's another one of our sponsors. And also Albert Taylor, um, Endless Possibilities, uh, working with people in our community with disabilities and different abilities uh, to make sure that they have a good life. They're another sponsor of ours. So, um, we got, so we got Bill London coming up, and we have a new segment coming on that's going to be on Mondays normally, but uh, we got a weather guy. Uh, Brian Miskimmons, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he used to be at Coin in Portland. Now he lives here in Montana up in Polson. And he has a forecast that's going to tell Oregonians and Montanians and Idahoans and Washingtonians the weather's about to change and the snow is on the way. So that's coming up a little bit later as well. But let's start with Kim Rice. Hi, Kim. How you doing? Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on. So tell people what, I mean, this has made the news. This is all over, you know, the Portland area. People are talking about it because it's not uncommon for um, 
and this isn't your wording, it's mine, but um, I hate vandalism. I think vandalism is the most chintzy, just, just, it's the most chicken crap thing you can do. I mean, if you can't face people, you know, and say something to go around stealing their signs, but tell people what happened with this girl from Antifa, what was going on. Yeah, so for weeks I've had signs go missing. I've had them defaced and of all sizes, yard size, you know, the four by fours and the big field signs as well. And then last Saturday, I got a phone call from a supporter who actually works for the county GOP and does social media. And he follows Antifa people. And he saw an Antifa lead one of the Portland leads bragging on her social media about her cleaning up the litter program in her neighborhood. And she showed the picture of my signs and other conservative and other candidate signs, minus the Democrat signs in the back of her trunk. And in the comments admitted that she had taken these signs. And you know what, that to me, is so ridiculous because I'm a grassroots candidate on just a tiny budget. Right. And I'm I'm ready to win this seat. It hasn't been challenged um, in in over ten years. So I'm just thinking this is stealing from my supporters who've given so generously to help me buy these campaign signs. And I called I called I called and reported it and. You know, she was arrested and she was arraigned. So, so yeah, I'm not going to be bullied about. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be bullied. No, they put. So they did. They did put her in jail and then released her, or just took her in and then released her. Yeah, I think they just booked her and released her. She came back to be yeah, arraigned. That too, I heard. Yeah, so it's you know she then posted again about oh uh, I hurt somebody's feelings and you know. Yeah, it was a it was like a badge of honor for her to be arrested. So she posted her, you know, her booking picture with an emoji of some sunglasses covering her eyes. And, you know, it's I'm just ready for accountability, Rick, because we are so ready for change here in Oregon. Even the Democrats are telling me they have got to get new leadership. They understand what's at stake. And, you know, we can't have our rights trampled. This is freedom of speech to have political signs out and to take them down is election interference. And that's, that's not a small, that's a felony. And then is that a, is that mm-hmm. a felony? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping there's real accountability because crime is spiraling in our county. It's rolling over from Portland, from Multnomah County into Washington County and all kinds of problems. So I'm really running to to represent people. I'm an everyday person. I've never ran for politics before, but I'm here to take back our economy, our education and our rights. People don't realize our rights are still being infringed here with these vaccine mandates and mask mandates. Do you think this is where Governor Brown and her supporters really messed up? Because I think they've been so used to pushing Oregonians for so many years and getting away with it and having enough support um, from the from their party that they could do it. But I think now when you push so hard that now you've destroyed the economy, 
you're, you're, you're impacting people's lives, Democrats, independents, non-affiliates, Republicans, um, libertarians. And I think people are pissed. I they mean, because so is that what gets I mean, here's someone you're not the first. I talked to um, Sean, who's running in Multnomah County. I mean, I mean, <laughs> they haven't had an opposition in Multnomah County for 25 years. You're in one that hasn't had opposition for 10 years. Do you think this is just lit a fire under people's butts and saying, OK, you know what? I, I, I this isn't this isn't what I was planning, but somebody has to stand up and do something. Yes. I mean, people are so angry. And what they see is all of these years and decades of policies have only made everything worse. And especially the last couple of years of the lockdown, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I was a teacher for 27 years. Those last couple of years teaching online remotely, I think opened the the eyes of a lot of parents about what is really going on or where things have been going. And I wanted to let you know, Rick, today is the one year anniversary that my school district removed me from my teaching position. They removed me because I would not comply with the mandates. I knew it was unjust and unconstitutional, and I was not even going to participate. So I'm telling you, I was teaching kindergarten and I could not stand with what they were doing in the classroom. Of course, I wasn't doing it, but with what they were telling our staff to do, with what they were telling us not to teach, not just what we were going to teach, but how they were going to omit and revise our American history. We have to stop this dead in its tracks. Right. The harm has been done to children and we need to recover our children and protect them. I read a report and it was saying that they, um, and this wasn't like a right wing report because some of my viewers out there who like to, you know, tinkle on me. Um, it's like, that, that's not what this is. And, and it was no. saying the devastation and damage that we did to our kids, that kids and these kids in 30 and 40 years will probably have very difficult time have, finding a career and a job because of the educational stunting that was done by this. So, and, and the yeah. point was, did we look at, did we look at the, that's, I think that's the big problem for me, Kim. When you stop, when people started telling people like myself and you to stop asking questions and just do what they tell you to do, that's a warning mm -hmm. sign because then we're not looking at the bigger picture of this whole thing. Is that, so education is yeah. obviously a focus for you, right? Right. It's huge because that's the future of our state. And last year, Kate Brown removed graduation standards and she changed learning standards for people of color. I can't believe anything that could be more racist than that, than to tell children that they cannot be successful, that they cannot achieve. So I'm going to Salem for a lot of reasons, but it is to bring back. We are like 44th or worse in the nation no, I in think terms like of 40, academic excellence. I think, I think it's like 48th or something. The other thing, yeah, it, it's, it's, well, it's unacceptable. And, and, and the depending amount of money yeah. <laughs> that the the spend, and that they're, you know, I, so I'm going to guess that you're very pro school choice. 
Absolutely. In fact, we're going to the event tonight um, for Christine Drazen. Um, Governor Glenn Youngkin is coming in from Virginia, and there's going to be Donna Kreitzberg. She's the, one of the lawyers that's been writing the initiative petitions that we can get in place. It's going to be on the ballot 2024 choice, which is open enrollment, and then separately money following the student. And we need to flip the legislature here in Oregon. We need a Republican governor and we need a legislature that is going to stop the tyranny and roll back some of the things that they've already done in our state. We have got to stop this direction. All right. Kim Rice, um, have fun at the Drazen event tonight. Thank you for coming on and talking about that. And um, I'm glad that you're, you know, standing up to Antifa because I think that, and, and you know, what, what, what I was listening to Jordan Peterson this morning, and I know you're a fan too, and he was talking and they were talking about um, some of the different movements going on in this country. They said the biggest problem is that corporations and universities are folding rather than standing up and saying, you know, Kim Rice as a teacher in our school, um, she, we believe in freedom of speech and we believe that's the way that education should go. If they would have done that, um, half of these movements would fall away because they, what they do is they're, you know, they prey on somebody who gets scared and then goes, the oh, oh, we're sorry. You, that, you can't do that anymore. You can't be mm -hmm. sorry. You have to go in and say, huh, -uh, you know what? Bullshit mm -hmm. on you. You do not yeah. get to do that. And yeah. um, I'm really glad that you're standing up to him. And I think you should go to, isn't Kevin Barton like your district attorney or something? Didn't yes. Yes. And he, and I, I heard through the grapevine that he's had signs stolen too. So I hope we all get some accountability there. Uh, my website's kimricefororegon.com. Just want your viewers to know and appreciate all the support. I'm an America first, Oregon first candidate. So I'm running for real voice for the people, real change in Oregon. All right. Thanks, Kim Rice. I appreciate you. See you later. Thanks. And we got a comment on here. Steve Snyder. Hmm. Once again, an out of state in capital letters, because that makes it a big deal. Media person messing with Oregon politics. Love you, Rick. Obviously, you don't. But you left because of Oregon because it was too fucked up for you. Please mess with Montana. Also, when Betsy gets Kotech elected, she had better run Betsy run. If she truly cared about Oregon, she would now put all her support to Drazen and ensure her to get Kotex out. Um, if she was concerned about Oregon and not her giant ego, I know you are a smart guy. Please help us here. Um, Steve, you know what? You don't like Betsy. Um, and I'm not going to shut up uh, about Oregon. This is my home, my former home. And I can say whatever the hell I want. And I think your, your, your passive aggressive attitude on here, I, I'm just not going to put up with that shit. Perhaps Betsy knows more than you do. Maybe what Betsy's doing is realizing that if she, if you looked at the polling, Steve, and knew something about this, Drazen might not even be in the lead at this point if it weren't for Betsy in there. Um, and so you might be cutting off your nose despite your face. And so maybe she's staying in there because she understands something about politics that you don't understand. Now, I'm sure you're an expert. I don't know what you do, but I'm sure. And besides, you know what? I did this before. I do know what I'm doing. I ran for secretary of state and I dealt with people like you who think they know everything and don't know shit. So I'm glad that you love me, but you just slapped me upside the head. So don't give me your passive aggressive bullshit. Bill London, welcome. Welcome. 
Aggressive <laughs> bullshit, huh? Oh, Bessie said the F word last night. She was throwing it around like you wouldn't believe. Where at? On my show. Oh, I missed that. I'll have to I'll have to watch that. You have to go uh, back. What? She she asks me all the time before she goes on, Bill. She'll go, so dancer. Now, can I cuss on here? <laughs> like, yeah, you can cuss. And then she fires off the F bombs. <laughs> so, Bill, how are you? How am I? Yeah. Uh, well, 2022 has been uh, an interesting go on a personal level. Other than that, you know, it's another election year and it's the clown show. What do you mean by the clown show? Uh, election year is always a clown show. But do you think, uh, that, do you think this year it's, I mean, that this is just, I, I mean, I was listening to um, Jordan Peterson today on the podcast and the other day I heard Joe Rogan and they were saying the world is just turned upside down. People are just, I mean, it's like, I'm sure Steve's a nice guy, but people come on here and it's like, you know, don't, you, you, if you want freedom of speech, you have to allow me to have freedom of speech. And you can't tell me what I can and can't talk about if I, and I would never tell you what you can and can't talk about. It's, it's, it's like this narcissistic bullshit. Well, and well I, I kind of think in, in one way, actually being out of Oregon, as opposed to being immersed directly in it where you're surrounded by it, having lived here as long as you have being in a completely different place with a completely different, I don't know. I don't know that society is the right word or culture. No, that's, that's culture. I, I, culture I, 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 and I think that actually it, the distance actually gives you at times, maybe even a clearer view of what's going on as opposed to your neck deep in it. No, I completely agree with you. And I don't think people, you know, people like Steve understand that is, you know, for me, I, I come back and then people go, well, why do you, it's not that bad. And I'm going, no, when you come back from being in a place where you truly can say anything you want and it's not, it, and it's not because everybody around you is a red person. I, I, I went to a, 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 a barber and she was a really cool lady tatted up and, you know, the hair and just, you know, and, and she's a lesbian and a really cool lady. I really like her. And we start talking and then I'm finding myself hedging on what I'm thinking because that's what I had to do all the time in Oregon. And pretty soon she just goes, I don't care what you think. Just tell me what you think. And we had this honest, open conversation. And guess what? I have no idea whether she's a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, a libertarian. I don't know because we had such a decent conversation. It reminded me of Oregon 30 years ago when it, it wasn't about what party you were in and you didn't have to hedge. So I think I feel freer now to go on, the, to, to be able to just say, and, and I, I do offer my perceptions because I'm seeing what's going on around. And, and what's, it's not like that everywhere. It's not even like that in Baker City, Oregon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, the Western Valley is its own world. So anyway, so so what else is going on? Like the the, the big stuff going on in, in Lane County right now. The, is the smoke cleared up yet? That's a I've heard I've seen pictures and posts and people. Well, talking. here, look oh in the background. God. Can you see the haze? Yeah. So that is uh, just out just north of Eugene, uh, closer to Oak Ridge. The uh, particulate, the air matter, uh, or the particulate in the air is off the charts and when i say that i mean they literally if you look at el rapa's website they go from 
good to moderate, caution, unhealthy, and then it's hazardous. Well, we're pinned in the hazardous in Oak Ridge. God help them. And it's not really good here, but it's not that bad as it is uh, in Oak Ridge. Kim Stark lives out towards, you know, towards Oak Ridge area, just not all the way out there, but out by Pleasant Hill, that area. And she said they were at 276 or something the other day, which Mm -hmm. is just, just, just huge. I mean, yeah, well, if you're in Oak Ridge, you're in excess of 451. So, Bill, in terms of the election, what uh, today was the last day you can register to vote, right? Right. In Oregon. And then uh, yeah, you you can still register up until eleven fifty nine tonight if you go to uh, the Secretary of State's website. What is it? OregonVotes.gov. Do you know that in um, Montana, I guess some people can do absentee ballots and that kind of stuff, but we still go to the poll. That must be nice. I can't wait. I haven't done this since I remember going to Camp Creek Church in Springfield when we first moved out there for maybe one or two years. And then it all changed over to vote by mail. And I, uh, I, I miss it, too. I part of it. What I miss about it, uh, besides the little old ladies in the Chanel number no. five, was well, it was, you know, no, it was a group of little old ladies with their with their Chanel number five and they had like Oreo cookies or whatever. And you vote, you get a cookie. Um, actually what I miss about it was sort of the aspect of community and you would be standing in line, getting ready to vote. And here's your neighbors and here's people that live in the neighborhood. Where do you live? Oh, I live down by the park. Oh, are you in the house that? Yeah. And I looked at it as, not only democracy in action, but I also looked at it as kind of really a building a sense of community. Right. Um, I, and I don't know, that may be, that may sound like, you know, God, this guy's from like 80 years ago. But it really did have that community feel to it. And it was great. Now, you know, I always wait until the last day and I go down to my local library so I can put the envelope in the ballot box just because it kind of feels like that. Right. Um, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I mean, you can argue about whether vote by mail is safe or otherwise, but I, I don't like what we lost in the process with it. Right. Um, There's some accountability to having to, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, and I'll just be really honest. I think there's some accountability to that. And, and for people to have to show up, um, I'm not one of these people who thinks everybody should vote. <laughs> if you don't know what the hell you're talking about and you're getting it from the voters pamphlet and that's how you're voting, I'm not sure that we really need you voting. And, you know, my son was once said, maybe everybody should take a civics course in, in order to get permission to vote. Now, that's probably going a little too far. But the point well, they do it. They do it to people that are getting their citizenship here in this country. You got to go take all the civics courses and all the other courses to become an American citizen. And that allows you to vote or, you know, until they change the law here in Oregon where you don't have to be a citizen like they're trying to do in New York. Right. I don't know why you want the masses. Everybody just get them in there and vote. It's like, well, you know, if people want to vote, then I think they should vote. If somebody doesn't want to vote, then you don't get to bitch. So if you don't like the way things are going, then you don't get to complain about it. 
but I don't certainly want people voting who who just go in there and go, oh, let's make a Christmas tree out of the out of the little boxes. You know, I mean that. I I look at I, I have another take on it, um, and this is probably going to piss some people off. Oh, not you. Don't. I have no problem, and I don't understand why people have a problem going to a place to vote and having to show your voter ID card. I you go to a you, you go to a pot shop, for God's sakes, and you have to show ID to get into the pot shop to buy weed. If you're willing to do that, why would you be less willing to do it for something way more important than, you know, getting, uh, you know, a good deal on some bud? Why, why is it so difficult? I agree. And what makes it so hard? And why is it so, uh, you know, it's an inequity somehow if you have to show a card? Right. You have to show and a card for everything. It's shit. Because when I ran for office, I used to say, I use in my campaign thing, I say, you know, back, at, back in the day, to go to Hollywood or Blockbuster Video and rent a movie, I have to show a driver's license. But to vote in Oregon, I don't. I mean, that's ridiculous. And, what, and why, I guess what always kind of gets me is, if you don't, if you don't require, if, if why would you be against ID unless that you have some ulterior motive. What is, I don't understand why that's a bad, you know what I mean? Cause what are you trying to hide? What's the point? If, if somebody has their identification an ID card and now like in Montana, we get a license and you get a, they, um, it's just I, I, some kind of an ID card at the same time. It becomes both. You have to fill out more paperwork, but it becomes both. So you just hand them that and then they know who you are. And I remember we used to do that all the time. I think Oregon should bring that back. And in, in terms of, uh, somehow to register to vote, I have no problem requiring people to show their driver's license or some form of birth certificate, some form of ID to say you're okay to vote because you're, you're here. A voter registration card is an easy way to do that. And it's not like you had to go through, you know, all of these inequitable hoops to do it. Right. Um, I mean, is it inequitable now all of a sudden? Is it an inequity that if you go into a bar, they're going to card you so that you can buy a beer? Right. Or to 7-Eleven. I mean, are you going to go to 7-Eleven? Somebody says, can I see your ID? Are you going to scream? You're being a racist, you bastard. I'm trying to buy beer. <laughs> How dare you, you son of a well, bitch. I'm taking things- you to the NAACP because you, sir, are a racist. You know, Bill, I was listening to Peterson today and they were talking about how there's a turn. There's a change where people, I think people are so fed up with the woke and the counterculture, the, not counterculture, the cancel culture and the censorship that I think people are just now, it's like, okay, I'm done. I don't, I mean, I personally okay. don't care anymore. It's kind of easier for me when I'm in Montana too, because people here are fine with, you know, what I'm talking about. And I don't have to walk down the street of Eugene anymore and have people walk by and go, <laughs> you know, because I can't hear them. It doesn't matter. Well, they're going to do that anyway. <laughs> they're going to do that regardless of what you, I mean, if you're wearing the wrong kind of shirt. Like I'm willing to bet that probably if I walk down through the wit in Eugene, um, wearing like, say what they call a hickory shirt, which is a logging shirt. I guarantee you'd get the same freaking response just because you're not wearing the right apparel. 
So did you, can you read Liz's comment in your phone? That people have no problem giving ID and their whole life history to get food stamps and welfare. True. It's, it's, you know, it's, I think we've become such a, um, and, and do people mind going to Safeway with their little special Safeway ID card so they can get 5% off cottage cheese? Right. They don't, they don't think anything about pulling that card out, which has all sorts of information about you, like everything in your life that you've ever bought at Safeway when you've used that card. They, they, they don't have any problem with it. But for some reason, voting, oh, oh, no, you know, you're, you're making it difficult to vote. Yeah, maybe. No um, more difficult than anything else in life that's really fucking easy. May Bill already brought that up. He was already talking about the weed store. May says, or ID or weed store. It's so hypocritical because it's it's like, but I think that's the good thing that I I think that that the reaction to COVID and all this has done is people have been woken up, not woke up, but awoken up, and they now we're starting to see that you know what this is hypocrisy. You can't you can't tell me um, you know what I have to do, and then you 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 know. It's it's like um, Peterson was talking to some folks about climate change, and um, oh. he was saying, you you know, you 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 can't tell people, um, oh, how to that they have to wear a mask and they have to do all this stuff, and then turn around and tell them that recycling works because it really doesn't. This is what they were talking about that it really doesn't drop a, a anything, and they say so you you have to be consistent with what you're talking about. So, hey, Anthony, how you doing? So, Bill, big stories for this week um, for you. I know you're going to be doing your newscast on Thursday, sending it to me tomorrow, but airing on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think it's more just, you know, the obviously election news. Um, I, I'm really I, I'm surprised in some regards that we haven't heard a lot more about some of the ballot measures. Um, 114 is probably the one that's kind of sucked that's all crazy. the year. I had yeah. them on my show the other night, the people with um, against 114. That's that's a scary. And I think it's going to pass because I don't think people know about it. And it sounds like it's going to do something when we all know it's not. Well, I think that you are going to see it would not surprise me if some of the moneyed opponents of that particular thing haven't already lawyered up, haven't already drawn the legal papers up. And if it passes, they're going to be in front of a judge and they're going to get a stay put on it. Yeah. Betsy because there's this will be in court for, de for a decade. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no way. I mean, some of the things that are on there, there's no way that, uh, well, there are already, I mean, there's something like 11 different things in there that are already deemed to be unconstitutional. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, I don't think that we're going to see it go into effect or if it ever does for a really long time. The, the, the other one that, though, that I think really um, is onerous is healthcare as a human right. Because what it's doing is really setting the table for universal healthcare in Oregon. Now, I think three weeks ago on your show, I think I did the story about yeah. the legislative uh, committee. They have this thing in Salem called Legislative Days. 
And it's where the legislators get together and their different little conferences and they talk about what their uh, agendas are going to be and what they want to accomplish and what they want to do in the next legislative session. And this one committee passed it along that, you know, we want to put together a bill and we want to get it passed that would create universal health care in Oregon. And this is something that we've heard Tina Kotak talk about before. We've heard Governor Kate Brown talk about it before. And by making it a constitutional right in Oregon, they've set the table to say, well, we have to create it now because it is a human right. So we have to do this. Right. Just, I mean, just the ballpark numbers that came out of this committee were, well, we're going to have to raise taxes on individuals about $22 billion. Uh, it would be a payroll tax. And then Medicare and Medicaid or the federal government through Medicare and Medicaid will give us another $33 billion a year. So we're talking about a $55 billion a year bureaucracy in Oregon. The same state that couldn't get a simple website to work to <laughs> enroll people insurance in insurance that they paid $300 million for. Not one person was signed up on that site. $300 million. This is the same state that couldn't get unemployment checks out for people during the pandemic. This is the sa same state that blew a quarter of a billion dollars on the Columbia River crossing, or as I like to call it, Oregon's bridge that never was, um, on planning that, what was it, a decade and a half ago. I mean, you can start going down all the things that Oregon bureaucracy has failed on, and now you're going to create what would be the singest, single biggest bureaucracy in the state of Oregon, and that's going to work? Well, I think that's no. all that, I think that's all the more that people need to get down and on November eighth and vote. You need to get a ballot cast in there because the, the crazy has to stop in Oregon. I mean, it has to stop in the country, but you know. It, and I know people go, "Oh, don't compare to Montana," but I mean, that's just that. You know, the biggest question, Bill, that people ask me still um, when I say I'm from Oregon which is after I tell them I'm not from California, because that's the answer you give people when they ask, where are you from? You say, not California, I'm from Oregon. But the biggest, did they seriously pass that measure that legalized like use of heroin and hard drugs and stuff? I mean, they, they think we are absolutely insane, but that they, they can't even fathom how could anybody sell that to the voters in Oregon? Um, they, they don't get it. And it's and I, I have to laugh and go, yeah, you know, no kidding. It's um, and then they go, well, then they wonder why all the homeless people come there. <laughs> well, it's where Oregon's creating economic development by creating club med for any not homeless person, but any person in the country who doesn't want to do anything and just suck off the system. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, the homeless industrial complex in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know. You covered a bunch of things there. I, I guess, um, you know, I mean, the yeah, the whole drug thing. How's that worked out for us? There was a thing in Newsweek about that. That's what I was going to say on ballot measure 110. And this was, I don't know, three weeks ago or something like that. 
and they were talking about how it's going in Oregon. And they actually asserted that the drug laws in Oregon will now be a model for other states looking to decriminalize. And I'm like, a model? Yeah. But a model of what not to do and how not to do it. And here's a million reasons why you don't even want to consider it. That's the only model that I can see could see it as. You do know, you we're not a role model, that's for sure. It is interesting because 30 years ago, Oregon was, you know, first bottle bill. Um, you know, I mean, we had a lot of firsts and, and things where we were innovative about different things. Now we've become the state or you've become the state where do, don't do it. Do as I say, not as I do. Don't follow what we're doing because we'll do all these really crazy, weird things and they'll flop. And then the rest of you can go, okay, that didn't work. Now don't do that. So where we used to lead people, now we're showing them what not to do. And well, it's in, in Oregon, the way that they deal with it is sort of like Tina Kotek said about ballot measure 110. You had Johnson and you had Drazen that both said, uh, if I'm elected, I am going to refer that back to the people if I can and let people vote on it again. The way that they handle it in Oregon is when something goes utterly gunny and augers into the side of a mountain in a big mushroom cloud of fire and smoke, instead of saying, yeah, hey, that was a bad idea, they say, well, we just haven't given it enough time. We have to give it more time. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Let the fire continue to spread. Let it completely engulf all the trees on the mountain in fire and then the valley below. And then we'll say, yeah, it was bad. But if we just give it a little more time, it'll get it's, better. Bill, it's kind of like it's also like when um, when the city I, I, I mostly think of the city of Eugene with this. But, you know, they put before a, a ballot measure and voters overwhelmingly say no. Well, OK, now we'll spend ten thousand dollars to figure out what about it you didn't like and then we're going to bring it back so then they take the same thing they bring it back then that then it goes down again then they take out more and they reword it and say i think it's like can you not understand people said no why don't you move on to something different but, but, they, but remember that i mean all the years mm -hmm. i covered things where you'd go it, it wasn't over until you know it was over and well it and, wasn't over until they got their way Right, exactly. You know, it's like, what do we have to do to convince these people to give us what it is that they don't like, but we want them to have to live under or abide by? Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, Bill, I know you stopped on the side of the road to talk to me, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, that was oh, super, my pleasure. That was super and, fun. And, you know, honestly, if you look around, it's kind of pretty out here. So, you know. Got to spend a little bit of the evening outside, which is nice, even if it is smoky. All right. Bill London, we'll see you on Thursday. On All right. Team. Sounds good. All right. See you, buddy. Take care, Rick. Bye-bye. Uh, All right. Bill London, always a good conversation. The guy who knows what's going on and will give you a different perspective. Um, so um, May, who's on here, and her husband, Tim, are doctors, and they do a show called BS Free MD. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll be talking with them about the perfect diet. Now, what it means, I don't know, but they're comical. They're, they're very, actually very smart people and they do really good, but they're also very entertaining. New client, they're gonna be coming on next, uh, tomorrow. We're gonna do a show with them. Um, so I was reading on my, on my phone today and uh, talking to Brian Miskibbins and he is a friend of mine.
And he is a former weatherman out of Portland, at a coin TV in Portland. He now lives in Polson, Montana. So once a week, he's going to start doing a weather forecast um, for wherever, whoever has the in, most interesting weather, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Montana. And right now, a new cold front's coming in. And I saw on my phone, right after I get off of here, I'm going to go out and unplug all my my hoses from my faucets because we're getting down to 24 tonight. And I see snow in the forecast for Sunday. Brian, what's that all about? Well, thank you, Rick, and a very good Tuesday afternoon to you. Coming to you from the weather deck, I couldn't, you know, turn down an opportunity to step outside this afternoon. What a great time it's been, you know, all across the Pacific and inland Northwest. We have been seeing day upon day upon day of beautiful sunny skies. A little bit of smoke, a little bit of haze. I was explaining yesterday's video, lower sun angle this time of the year combined with very light wind and the sinking air that's associated with high pressure. You get those three things, and that's what's going to lead to some smoke and some haze in the valleys, and that's what we're seeing. That all changes. First front starts to roll through the inland and Pacific Northwest on Thursday. That'll be a mainly dry cold front, but it's going to open the door. It's also going to help usher in some breezier conditions later Thursday. Now, as we go into Friday, here's where the bigger change starts to come in. Big trough of low pressure drops in from the Gulf of Alaska. As it does so, we're going to see rain arriving along the I-5 corridor during Friday afternoon. So your Friday afternoon commute will be wet, and then Friday evening football games in the Pacific Northwest looking wet as well. Now, meanwhile, here in the northern Rockies, Idaho, Montana, it's going to take a little bit longer for that rain to get here, but probably by game time Friday night, we might even begin to see some of those rain showers. Some of the forecast maps and models I'm looking at right now are saying that the cool trough that's going to be associated with this sticks around all the way into next week. And in fact, one I just looked at before jumping on this video says the snow level comes right down to the valley floors by Saturday morning in the northern Rockies here in western and central Montana. So we'll be watching that over the coming days. But of course, that is something. Meanwhile, Pacific Northwest I-5 corridor, you're talking about rain showers. As I used to say when I was on television, the liquid sunshine that we so desperately need and love, but it's also going to help blow out some of that smoke. So really good news there. And of course, we certainly need the rain. Meanwhile, for those of you that have any hunters here up in the back country, especially here in Montana, of course, hunting season getting underway, a good idea. Do not let today and tomorrow's weather fool you. It's going to turn very wintry up in the back country. In fact, we could be talking by the time we get into next week, feet of snow up in the high country here in Montana. So plan accordingly if you're heading out hunting this weekend. But in the meantime, enjoy the next couple of days of sunshine and above average temperatures because we're saying goodbye to it as we go into the weekend with below average temperatures and the rain returning to the valleys as well as mountain snow. And as I mentioned, even the threat of some valley snow here in western Montana. With that, Rick, I'm going to send it back over to you. And joining us is John and Peggy Devereaux. Um, yeah. They are, they are part of the Albert Taylor gang. Yes. <laughs> How long have you guys been with Albert Taylor, Peggy? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Since the early 80s? In the, the 80s. Been there? So we couldn't do anything without Josh. Well, you could do a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah but Josh takes us uh, to Wendy's. Thrift shopping. Grocery shopping. You know, I mean, and honestly, uh, they they see the best in people, you know, and um, and people tend to see the best in them. You know, they're honestly some of the most accepting and friendly people that I know.
So again, we want to thank our sponsors, Buck Sanitary Service, Albert Taylor, and Dr. Michael Ratlin with Chris Dental Family Dentistry. All right, again, tomorrow night, uh, same time, right here, uh, BS Free MD, The Perfect Diet. And then on Thursday, we have a chainsaw artist from Oregon, a young woman who's going to be joining us. And Kim Stark's going to be talking with El Rapa about the smoke. And Bill London will be here with more um, daily news. So that's it. Share this on your page. Let other people know what's going on. Um, they will love tonight's show. <laughs> Those who don't, they'll just unfollow me. It's okay. <laughs>